Ah, well, I'm starting early this morning with my blubbering, so uh, you have to just forgive me. Well, I don't care if you forgive me or not. I'm going to do what I do. You know, the Lord is so good. And when you realize how good He is, you won't help but become a little bit emotional. We sang that song there. We were singing about, you know, He offers salvation to everyone who will come and join His kingdom. Last week, we said goodbye to Tracy's dad. At the last moment of his life, he gave himself to Jesus Christ for the first time. He was 85 years old, and his whole life he'd been invited. And he finally said, yes. We ought to get excited about God. There is so much to get excited about. He is so good. Hallelujah. Sorry, baby, I didn't mean to get you upset. I want to read you a passage of Scripture. Matthew 11. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and who, the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. And then He says, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. Jesus is not saying I'm a wimp. What he's saying is that I love you and I'm kind and I'm gentle and when you come and you join me, you're going to find that I'm good and that I'm only good and that everything I do is good and all of your life, I'm going to be working in you for good. I'm going to be working for your good and I'm going to work good through you. That's what Jesus' offer is to us. He says, come, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And I'm, I am meek and lowly. That means he's, he's gentle. He's humble. He doesn't force himself on you. Aren't you glad he doesn't force himself on you? And yet he doesn't give up on you either. If you don't say yes the first time, he doesn't say, forget it. That's your only chance. He comes back and he keeps coming back and he keeps coming back. That's the goodness of our God. The Bible says that His goodness abounds towards us. There is no end to His goodness. So Lord, this morning, we choose to worship You. We choose to exalt You. We choose to lift You up because You are worthy, Lord. You are good. And we choose to lift up Your name. Receive our praise and worship, Lord. Come and fill this place with Your Spirit. Pour your spirit out. Speak to each one of us. Give us the things that we need this morning, Lord, from your word and from our time of worship, Lord. Speak to us. Touch us. Change us. Heal us. Set us free in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
want to see me
Hallelujah. Perfect song to end our time of worship. Because we're going to wait on the Lord. Because we know that it's only in Him that we can be satisfied. It's only in Him that we can be fulfilled. It's only in Him that we can be healed, set free, restored, changed. It's only in Him that we can come brokenhearted and He can give us hope. It's only in Him. It's all in Him. And that word waiting, it, it means to be twisted together. So as we wait on the Lord, I want you to think about Jacob wrestling with that angel all night long, just twisting and rolling and flopping around, and he wouldn't let go until he received his blessing. So this morning, as we wait on the Lord, have that kind of attitude that you're going to wait and you're going to receive. You're going to hear from God. You're going to experience the touch that you need, the words that you need to hear. You need to be healed physically. You need to be set free of some habit or problem. If you're discouraged or hopeless, let him speak those words of hope into your ears and into your heart so that you can be free. So we're going to wait on the Lord. As we do that, let him speak to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, You know that my heart is for those who are broken and for those whose lives have not been perfect. Um, when I was first with Eddie, before we got married, <clears throat> I was falling away and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to. And I kept going, okay, Eddie, you got to answer that age-old question for me. Why do bad things happen to good people? And... He had the best explanation I've ever heard in my life, and I was able to share that with a parent this past week. I don't share a lot because I have to, you know, do that state and, and religion thing. I have to walk that line. But this, this mother was so broken, and she's just, I don't understand what's going on with my, my child. And I said, my husband explained it this way. We go through the trials and tribulations, and just like a sword or a knife or something that you're going to use in battle, you have to put it through the fire and the pounding. You take that raw material, and you, you, you have to pound it into something, and you have to put it against this hard grit, and you, you have to just, you, there's so many things that this goes through that if you don't do that, that blade would crack under pressure. If you don't temper it, if you don't put it through the fire, if you don't put it through that pounding, if you don't do it just right, when it actually happens to be used, it will break. So we go through those trials and tribulations because God has to make us stronger. Because when it comes to those spiritual battles, if we are not broken, 
down and heated and pounded on and we when it comes to those real terrible spiritual battles that we all face we will break so please know that those of you that are going through it it's okay god's on the other side he's waiting with for you with open arms the one song that we sang was uh done by my sister-in-law she's like my sister and i love her dearly and she wrote it that song in her brokenness uh, and her being lost but in it was such hope and talking about you know being he's the great i am and so god can use that brokenness can use that loss that that just feeling like i'm not good enough or that feeling of depression or anything he can use all of that to make you stronger and to help those around you. So please don't think that you're lost beyond repair because he can make you a mighty, mighty weapon of, of God. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord is our great redeemer. I'm so glad that his ability to redeem is so much greater than my ability to mess up. He's the great I am. He's not the great I want to be or hope to be or was. He is the great I am. And he wants the very best for each one of us. And what's required of us is to trust him and let him be God. Leave all the dirty work up to him because he knows how to do everything and he does it all well. When you try to get involved in that process and do it in your own strength, you usually just mess it up and make it worse. But when you trust in Him, He can heal, He can change, He can restore hope where there's hopelessness. That's who He is. He is the God of all hope and comfort. And He never leaves us or forsakes us. When you think you're in the in the deepest part of all the problems and nobody in the world has ever gone through anything like this and you're the only one jesus is saying no i've been there i'm with you right now take my yoke upon you my burden's easy it's light it's not going to chafe you it's not going to hurt you it's not going to lead you wrong it's not going to overwork you it's not going to drag you. It's going to cause everything to go smoothly, everything to go as it should. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you speak to us. I pray that you continue to reveal to each person here, Lord, your word, that we would hear the words that we need to hear this morning, that, that your word would become alive to each one of us, change us in your presence. Jesus name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you guys. Ah, hallelujah. Well, so uh, if you're a visitor, I'm glad you're here. You don't know any different, but if you're a regular folk, we're doing this weird thing about announcements. We don't want to break the flow of the spirit, so we're just doing announcements at the end whatever.
you want to know what's going on, just ask somebody else because somebody will know. Anyway, um, so I, I told you last week about my father-in-law, and uh, he, he passed away, and he gave his life to Jesus right at the very end. And for all of you folks who have lost loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord, and uh, especially for you, Uncle Stan and Aunt Linda, if you're listening, one more thing I want to say. There is coming a day when no more sorrows will come, no more clouds in the sky, and no more tears to dim the eye. All will be peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day! Glorious day that will be. Sing it with me now. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace and then he'll take me by the hand and lead me to that promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. You don't have to be sad, you can be glad, amen? Because for all of us, there's coming a day when we're going to be reunited with those who have gone before. You can cry about it and you can have your time of mourning, but you better get excited about that day because there is coming a day. And I want to say to you that uh, these last few weeks have been a little challenging, but we're on a roll. God is moving. Things are happening. And so I'm encouraging you, don't give up those things you've been praying for. God answers prayer. 47 years. God answers prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. So I think something good could happen today. I'm filled with faith. Faith for you, faith for your family. I believe God's going to do things. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't give up. Because God wants to answer your prayer. God wants to do good things in your life. Okay. So I guess, uh, Bonnie, can you make an announcement at the end? Okay. And we're dismissing the children. Susie's got the children. So uh, anybody age uh, whatever, whatever, what is it? Uh, First grade to 12, or four, to age 12 or 13. Anyway, I don't know what's going on. Just get on out of here, whoever you are. Wow. Preachers aren't supposed to be like that. We're supposed to be cool and calm and know everything. But I'm not your typical preacher. I mean, how many preachers do you see with a big narf on the back of their hand? You know, I, I, we, have, we have a little bit of land, and I have some animals, and I'm always getting some kind of a scrape or a bump. And I'm not too bright sometimes. I just tell you, this thing, I, I did it you know, like two weeks ago, and I put a Band-Aid on it, and I was, what I did, I was carrying a sack of feed, and I walked by a post, and I hit my backside of my hand on that post, and it just peeled a piece of skin, and I was like, mm, it's going to leave a mark. So anyway... <laughs> About a week later, I had a Band-Aid on, and it was starting to heal up, and I was carrying another sack of feed, walked by that same post, and I was like, can't believe I did the exact same thing. It's the same hand. That'll preach, brother. 
Yeah, well. <clears throat> so, that is true. That's what we tend to do in life. We do the same things over and over and over again. How many of you ever heard about a guy named Ivan Pavlov? Back in the 1890s, he was, uh, I think he was a Russian psychologist, and he, he was doing a study about dogs slobbering, and, uh, and he accidentally figured out something even greater than what he was looking for. He figured out that when you feed a dog, you know, before they even get to the food, they're already starting to slobber and get all excited about it. And so he started doing these different tests. He'd ring a bell, and the uh, dog wouldn't do anything with the bell. But then after he rang the bell, he put the food down. The dog began to slobber. And then after a while, you could just ring the bell, and the dog would slobber. That's the way we are. We're, we're kind of like that slobbering dog, you know. I mean, we have certain things in our lives that, that impact us and cause us to have responses. Now, he came up with these really cool names like unconditioned response and conditioned response and neutral stimulus and, you know, all these sort of things. Bottom line is, there are certain things in your life that your body and your mind are geared to do. You want to eat. You want to sleep. You want to procreate. You want to you know, you want to do what you want to do. I mean, there are certain things that you don't have to have somebody telling you. It's just in you. That's the way you think. That's the way you are. There's other things that you learn behavior. Um, you know, I always jokingly say, <clears throat> I like seafood. You know, I see food, I eat it. And, and I've never met a dessert I don't like. So, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of into that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm, I can relate to this idea about conditioned response. And somebody says, we'll be ready to eat in a little while. I mean, and I'm starting to think about it. I'm getting conditioned. I'm ready to go. Tracy says, dinner's ready. I mean, I, you know, I'm ready. Well, the devil does the same thing to us. And he, he puts thoughts in your mind. He plants things in your mind that are stimulus that will cause you to have a conditioned response. Now, what Pavlov found out was that if you rang the bell too soon before you put the food out, it didn't work. So there's, there's a relationship between the time of the stimulus and the response. And so I would just like to tell you, when the Lord stimulates you and gives you something, respond quickly, and you'll build good habits, good ways of thinking. When the devil stimulates you, respond slow. Don't be quick to jump in there. Resist. Because the more you resist, the more you'll build up your defense system and you won't be conditioned to respond. I mean, if, if the devil can come to you and ring that bell and you just, boom, you begin to act like, you know, a bad person, he's going he's gonna to be ringing that bell all the time. But if you'll begin to resist that, you won't, you won't go so quickly then God can have a chance to bring in the right stimulus to cause you to turn back to his word. We've been talking about this, not Pavlov, but we've been talking about this whole principle for months now. Wounds in our souls, areas where we've been hurt, things in our lives that uh, happened to us when we were young, maybe they happened to us last week even, things that happened to us, how we were born, the family we were born into, the way we were taught and trained, all those things impact us. And they cause us to think and behave in certain ways. And we've been talking about how to get healed of those and how to renew our minds so that we don't think the same way that we've always thought. 
Because if you think the same way you've always thought, you'll get the same results that you've always gotten. You've got to start doing things different in order to not have the same thing happen to you. So we're talking about renewing our minds and how, how that happens. I believe <clears throat> there are several things that have to happen. If you have, a, if you have a, a thought process in your life that is bad, let's just say that someone did something really hurtful to you and you have trouble forgiving them. And every time you think about that person, you think about the way that they hurt you and how you felt. And so when you see that person, you, you start getting all bent out of shape. When you hear that person's name, Pavlov's dog, you know, that ringing the bell. I mean, you hear that name, and it brings up all that same old hurt, same stuff. But if you want to be free of that, first of all, you have, to, you have to repent from it because unforgiveness is a sin, right? And if that's the way you've been thinking, then you've got to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you and cleanse you. And then when you do that, if you don't change the way that you think, it's just going to come right back. I mean, you can be forgiven a jillion times, but if you keep thinking the same way, the same stuff is going to happen to you. So you have to begin to do something different. Think differently. So you think about that person not as the way that they sinned against you and hurt you, but think about them in the way that you're blessing them. You've got to start blessing them. You've got to speak well of them. You have to begin to pray for them and, and actually... Bless them with good things. And the way I learned all this, I was taught that uh, in the way that you were hurt, that's the way you ought to bless them. And so if someone stole some money from you, send them an offering. You know, if someone did you wrong uh, in some other way, bless them in a way that will help them be better at that. If someone was... was uh, without any mercy in their, in their behavior towards you, then bless them with mercy. Say, Lord, I bless them with mercy. I bless them with, with love and kindness and gentleness. You begin to speak well of them. And when you do that, at first it'll be hard. It won't feel good. It won't feel, good. It won't feel natural. You'll be making yourself do it. But over time, if you do it enough, you'll start feeling good about it. You'll start enjoying it. You'll actually start liking the way that you're blessing. And pretty soon... When you think of that person, you won't be thinking all those mean, ugly, nasty thoughts about what they did. You'll be thinking about how you've been blessing them. You change the way you think, you change the way you behave. And then the enemy can't come back with that same unforgiveness and get you right back into bondage unless you let him. That's up to you. You have that choice. We have a lot of, we have a lot of power. If you don't use what's available to you, then you're probably going to lose the battles. There's a lot of tools available to us if we'll use them. So I want to read a few scriptures to you, and I have some comments about renewing our mind. In John 3, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus was a... He was a smart guy. He was a religious leader. He knew all the law, and he, but he didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Now, Jesus sort of explained it, but he was really saying, this is a beginning. It's a beginning place for you. When you come to Jesus and you say, I want you to live in my heart, 
then the Bible says that you were born again. You're born once of your parents, a natural birth. Your spirit is the part of you in, in your inner man that communicates with God, but your spirit is it's not made alive yet until you become a believer. So until you are born again, your spirit is, I like to say it's comatose. It's, it's there, and it can respond to the Lord, but it, it's not active. Because otherwise, how could it hear the Holy Spirit calling? So your spirit comes alive when you become born again. You become a new creation in Christ. But that's just the beginning. You're not, that's not the end. And that's not the whole purpose of it. The purpose of it is so that we can become like Jesus. As we live our lives each day, we can become more like Jesus. If the whole purpose was just going to heaven, then we would probably just be out of here the minute we say yes to Jesus. But the purpose is to live here like Jesus did. And then we have that as our eternal hope. It's like icing on the cake. It's the good stuff. It's going to happen, but we don't have to worry about it. What we've got to worry about is right here and now, living the abundant life, living for the Lord, building His church, which is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus said, I will build my church, and we're supposed to be working with Him. We are co-laborers with Him. We are His helpers, so to speak. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So when you give your life to the Lord, whether it be at an altar or in a car driving down the road or watching late-night TV evangelists, like some people have told me that that's how they became believers. You know, it doesn't matter. That's just the beginning. That's not the end. It's just the beginning. All the rest of the life is this process that we're in being changed to be like Jesus. <clears throat> so it's back to the conditioned responses and Pavlov's dog. You get born again. You become a new creation and now you've got those conditioned responses there hanging on. The same old things where you used to lose your temper, the way you talk. Someone says this and you, you say that right back and someone kicks you in the shin, you kick them in the shin. Someone, you know, bumps you and you elbow them. I mean, that's just, that's the way you responded before. That's the way you're going to respond now unless you change something because it doesn't all happen miraculously at the, at the altar. That's the beginning you have to begin to change those conditioned responses. So we've got a, some slides up here, and uh, I guess, can we go back to number one? Um, there you go. So this is, this is just a little exercise for it. It takes about 10 or 12, 15 minutes each day. If you'll do this for 21 days, you can change the way you think. If you change the way you think, you'll make new thoughts and new memories in your brain, physical memories in your brain structure in your brain, cells inside your brain. And so you've got those right now, but if you begin to think differently, those bad thoughts and old thoughts begin to wither and die and they lose their strength and vigor and the new thoughts and memories take over and they overthrow the old thoughts and memories. It's a new condition response. And so this was something that I did personally. Uh, so you, you figure out the thought or the issue that you want to change, how you want to think. And, uh, and by the way, this is something for you to write out on paper. Write, write it down the middle, and then there's four ways that you respond. Uh, you, you figure out how you're going to receive or reject those thoughts. You think about how they come to you, 
and then you, you reflect and recognize how you're going to respond and how you're going to do things differently. And I like to meditate on Scripture with all this. Think about Scripture. Find Scriptures that support what you're trying to change. And then rethink about it and uh, repent over the things that God shows you. Reject the lies that you've believed or, or received into your life. And then figure out how you're going to respond and react differently. So I spent 21 days working on this, and, uh, and I'm not worried about failing anymore. I'm probably going to fail plenty of times. That's okay. I'm not afraid of it. I can embrace failure just like I can embrace success. By the way, you know, I wouldn't even be here doing what I'm doing now if it weren't for all my failures. Um, so don't let failures rule your thinking or your life because if I had done that, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be your pastor right now because there was a time when I had lost out and I was not following ministry. I didn't, I'd listened to lies and I just, I had lost my way. I didn't, I didn't ever fall away from the Lord. I, I wasn't going to go to hell. I just wasn't pursuing ministry. But I, I got healed. Lord gave me a new, uh, a new chance. And so that's why sometimes I get emotional because I'm very appreciative that God didn't give up on me. If it had been me, if I'd been God looking at me, I would have probably said, you bum, you know, you're not worth it. I've tried and tried and tried all these years, and you just keep rejecting me. You keep not listening. You keep believing what the devil's telling you instead of what I'm telling you. But God in his great mercy and goodness didn't do that. He kept pursuing me. He sent people, strangers I didn't even know, into my life to talk to me and teach me so that I could learn what I needed to learn to get healed and get set free. So I'm not, af I'm not afraid of failing anymore. But it does take a little bit of practice at working at this. You have to think these ways. You've got to think. You've got to write this stuff down. Make you, and don't try to make it real organized. Just write it down. Write down little notes. And you can use shorthand however it works for you. But spend some time each day thinking about it, praying about it, writing down the, what the Lord reveals to you, the scriptures that he gives you. And, and just every day make new notes about each of these categories if you can. And, and I didn't try to scan and show you my other deal because it was a whole page full of little handwritten notes. But, but God, God will do something miraculous in your life if you'll do this simple exercise because every time you think a good thought, it, it releases proteins in your brain that cause good cells to grow. And it takes about 21 days to cause the, the good memories and good thoughts to be strong enough to survive. So and after a few days, you start feeling good. But if you give up then and you quit, those thoughts and memories won't be strong enough to survive. You need to do it for a prolonged period, 21 days. If you really got bad habits, bad problems, you might need to do several cycles. But this is such a simple thing. And then once you figure out how you're going to respond differently, like number four, once you figure that out, then every day, like seven times a day, just remind yourself, this is what I'm going to do differently. This is what I'm going to do to be different now. And remind yourself. Meditate on God's Word. Begin to think about God's Word. Begin to say God's Word. There is power in God's Word. There's power in the Word of God. And we begin to proclaim that over our lives. Good things happen. Now, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And that word become, it literally means to become, 
2B. So it makes me realize that it doesn't all happen at once. It's a process. You become a new creation. That happens at once. You have a spirit that is now alive and able to communicate to God. So your spirit man, your inward man is, is alive and healthy and whole. Your relationship with the Lord is, is like it's never been before. But you still got all those, those bells dinging in the background, those conditioned responses that are making you want to do things that you shouldn't be doing anymore. And so that's why we have to put away the old things and let them all become new. It's a process. And some days you'll get it right and do really well. Other days, maybe not so much. And the devil doesn't give up easy. He keeps coming back. And if you want an example of that in the Scripture, well, you could look throughout Scripture and you find it. But just think about the children of Israel. When they got delivered from Egypt, everything was hunky-dory. Yeehaw, we're free, you know. They go to the Red Sea, and then Pharaoh has a change of heart and comes after them. That's what will happen to you. When you get saved, you become a new creation, you're going to be all excited thinking, man, I am free. It's all different. Everything's going to be better. And then the devil's going to come try to put you back in bondage again. He doesn't want his slaves to get away. He's going to come and try to pull you back. That's why we need to change the way that we think so that when he comes and starts telling you that stuff, you don't believe it. Even some of the people right there with Moses, they were already saying, well, you know, look, we're going to all die here. There's nothing for us to eat or drink. We, we, at least in Egypt, we had food and we had, and we had all those good onions and leeks and, and all that stuff. And, and now out here, we're just going to starve and die. That's what the devil wants you to believe. It's not going to be any different. You're just going to die. You're just going to wither up and die. Your God's not going to take care of you. You have to learn to think differently. It's a process. We read these scriptures last week, but I want to read just a couple of parts of it. Ephesians uh, 4, Paul says, If you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And then in Colossians 3, he says, Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And he goes on and he, and he talks about how in the past you did all these bad things, but now you're not like that anymore. Put off all these. And he lists the things that you ought to put off. And it's not a, it's not a complete list, but anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy language. Don't lie. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Put off the old man, and put on the new. And I told you, put off means to cast off. And it's like you think about a garment that's dirty and nasty. You've been out working. Maybe you get all kinds of nasty stuff. It doesn't smell good. doesn't look good. It's dirty. Just get it off of you. Cast it off. You know, you don't need to carefully unbutton it, hang it back in the closet. You need to get it off of you. And then you put on the new garment. That means to, it literally means to sink into the new garment. So I know everybody has done this at one time or another. You take a nice bath or shower and you get out into something nice and warm and clean and you kind of just settle into it. And Just think about that spiritually. Christ is giving robes of righteousness 
We need to sink into those things, just become one with those new garments that he's given us. And there's something really significant about this, because if you, if you go out there and you get all nasty, and you just are content to sit right there with the nasty garments on, you don't cast them off and you don't put on the clean ones, not going to go well for you. I mean, when I've been out working in, in the yard and nasty and sweaty and got all kinds of, ugh, you know, I come in, I don't, I don't go over and start hugging all over Tracy. He's like, ew, you, you're nasty. Well, that's the way it is with us. And we try to be a witness for the Lord. When we're around unbelievers and we're thinking we're going we're gonna to let our light shine, and we're wearing nasty, ugly garments that are filled with stench. And we're just like, here, let me tell you about Jesus. And they're looking at us and they're saying, I don't want any of that. If you're so changed, why are you still wearing those nasty garments? Something to think about. Because what you say is important, but what you do is way more important. When we live our lives in a way where it's obvious that we can sit right down beside sin and it doesn't bother us. We can sit right down beside someone who's stinky and nasty and it doesn't bother us. I'm talking spiritually speaking here. If you are that way, something's wrong in your heart because you shouldn't be able to be content to sit right along sin. Now, Jesus embraced the sinners. He walked among the sinners and so should we. But we, we're not supposed to be comfortable with sin. We're supposed to love people. And yeah, that means some of them that are, that are not so lovable. And maybe some of them might not smell so great. Maybe some of them might have some real issues and we're supposed to love them. But we're not supposed to be like them because we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're supposed to be different. If you're not different, Time for a heart check. <clears throat> we're supposed to have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to think like Jesus thought. And we're supposed to be like him. Now, I told you this last week too, but I want to repeat it. So the reason this is all important, and I'm kind of rolling this together, is that the Bible says that we are supposed to arm ourselves with this type of mind. The way that you think. You're supposed to arm yourselves with the right way of thinking. If you don't arm yourselves and you go out to battle, you're probably going to lose. You don't want to go out to battle without a weapon. You don't want to go out to battle defenseless. If you're going against an army that's got automatic weapons and flamethrowers and rocket launchers and tanks and nuclear weapons, you don't want to go out there with a slingshot and a pea shooter. I mean, you want to go out there with the same kind of stuff. Oh, and by the way, all of those things that the enemy has, all of his powers are limited. But we serve a God who has unlimited power. And he is far above all principalities and powers, far above all dominions and thrones, far above all rulers of darkness at this age, far above all spiritual wickedness in high places. He's above all that. And he's not just a little bit above. He's far above. I mean, it's no contest. But we have to arm ourselves with that knowledge, knowing that he has already won the battle. He's already won the victory. The battle is his. It's not ours. But we have to arm ourselves with that knowledge. If you go out there without that knowledge and then the enemy starts saying, well, you're weak and you're going to fail again. You're going to be afraid of failing. Look at you. Ha! You're going to fail again. I see it coming. 
and you begin to believe what he says instead of what God's word says. We have to believe the truth and be armed with the truth. You're not going to be successful in your spiritual life if you listen to lies all the time instead of the truth. Arm yourselves with the same mind. And then he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, like when you were ignorant, but he who has called you is holy, and he says, you also be holy. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, in those days, you know, the men folk, they wore robes just like the women. And if you had work to do or you needed to run, you needed to do something with serious activity, if you're going to go to battle, you didn't want your robe dangling down there and tripping you, so you gird up your loins. You take all that loose stuff and you pick it up and you wrap it up and you tie it in a knot or do something, you know, put it under your girdle, tuck it in your belt, do something with it where you can move and, and be free. You have to get your mind right. Get your mind right. Sometimes it's hard to do. It's a challenge. If it was easy, we wouldn't have any problems, would we? Yogi Berra had all these great sayings. One of them was, something difficult is never easy. <laughs> and that's really true. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things in life that are not easy. But it's not impossible because we serve a God that is all about doing the impossible. All things are possible to him who believes. But you have to get your mind right. And he says, uh, you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. We need to be purified through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit applying it to our lives. Titus 2 says, uh, Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and pure." Purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So he didn't come and die so that we can just be the same old way we've always been. He wants to redeem us from every lawless deed. He wants us to be changed. He wants us to be new, not just in our inward man, but he wants to be new everywhere. It wants to be obvious. Our lives should be a light. Everywhere we go, people should look at us and say, wow, they're different. That's the way it's supposed to be. We need to be redeemed from the old man. And that happens as we renew our minds, as we begin to think about what God has said, what God has done. Let him redeem our old man and make it new. All things are becoming new. And then uh, I want to read a couple other scriptures to you about, uh, about this process of renewing our minds. In Philippians, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, the Lord doesn't say things to you just for, for his jollies. He says stuff to us to change us. It's for our good. He doesn't make stuff up. He doesn't tell us to do things that are impossible. He doesn't ask you to do things that you're not capable of doing. Some of them may be challenging, may be difficult. But if he says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ, it's possible for all of us to have the mind of Christ. Now, you're not going to be perfect at that, but you can have it at moments, and you can have more of those moments as you grow and mature. The more you change the way that you think, the more you begin to think God's Word, 
When you are meditating on God's Word and it's becoming part of who you are, part of your thought process, then when situations, circumstances in life, people say and do and things happen, instead of you being that same old Pavlov slobbering dog that starts kicking and growling and biting and snarling, you can begin to love and you can begin to be kind and gentle. And you can, instead of that immediate response, you can just bite your lip. It's hard sometimes. Bite your lip for a minute. And then, when you've calmed down a little bit, then you can say something that's not ugly. You know, our moms and dads were right. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. Sometimes just, it is a great victory just to keep your mouth shut sometimes. Because when you open your mouth, some bad things come out, you know. And you know why? It's because what's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. What's in your mind, the things that you think, that's what comes out of your heart and out of your mouth. Jesus said it. He said, out of your heart, the mouth speaks. Out of your heart flow all the issues of life. Out of your heart, that's where your treasure is. It's what's in your heart. The things you value are what's in your heart. If you put God's Word in your heart, it changes the way everything works in your life then because God's Word is what begins to come out of your thoughts and your mouth and your actions. That's what we need. That's what we want. We want God's Word to be coming in us and flowing out of us so that we are changed. Jesus, when He was tempted... He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And again, you are what you eat. You know, if you're eating God's word, then that's what you're going to be like. If you're eating junk from uh, the TV and, and your friends and the local beer joint or whatever, you know, that's what you're going to be like. Sorry, that might not be a real feel-good message for you, but... It's just the truth. What you feed yourself, that's who you're going to be. That's how you're going to be. If you want the old man to be strong, then do the same old nasty garment stuff you did back when you had those nasty garments on, and your old man will be strong. You want your new man to be strong? Cast off the old stuff, put on the new, and stay that way. And you do that by getting in God's Word, by letting the Spirit apply the Word, the truth to your heart and life. And you begin to seek the Lord on a regular basis. And instead of thinking the same old way that you've always thought, begin to think differently. Train yourself. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. So if you think you're mature, you think you got it figured out, this is the way you're supposed to think. You're supposed to have the mind of Christ. You're supposed to be like Him. And if you do that then you will not be setting your mind on earthly things. You'll be setting your affections on things above. You'll begin to think about the things that God wants you to do. You won't be the same person you've always been. You'll be that new creation that you're supposed to be, and you'll be different. Now, Paul was talking to Timothy, and he, he gives him uh, this exhortation. He says, if you... Instruct the brethren in these things. You'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith, and of good 
and of the good doctrine which you've carefully followed, but reject profane and old wise fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that, is, that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. For this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear. Meditate on these things. Give yourself fully to them. The things that you've learned, the things you've heard, God's Word. And he told Timothy, he said, look, you got a lot of great opportunities here. But don't forget about it. Don't just let it go. Give yourself to it fully. Meditate on it. And if you'll do that, it'll be obvious to you. It'll change you, and it'll be obvious to everybody else around you what's going on. We come back to the thing about in your life, every day, all day long, people that see you and look at you and hear you, they ought to see that you're different. We ought to be different. We shouldn't be just like the people that are unbelievers. If you're not different than the unbelievers, how are you going to witness to someone and have any effect on them? Oh, let Jesus save you from your sins. Well, why are you still sinning? <laughs> you know, and a lot of us, we don't even think about it. We're just going about our life every day, doing the same old stuff we've always done. We're supposed to be different. And don't be different to please me. Be different to please the Lord. Do what He wants you to do. Let Him tell you. Now, I'm not going to give you a list and tell you, don't do this and don't do this and don't do that. That's the Holy Spirit's job in the Word of God. He's perfectly capable of handling that part of it. My job is to encourage you to follow the Word, to encourage you to seek the Lord, to encourage you to hear what God is saying. God can take care of His part. His part is to change you. So meditate on those things. Now I want to read you another passage and we're wrapping up. Psalms 119. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, that's, that's what we're talking about. When you hide God's Word in your heart, then you begin to think differently. You begin to speak differently. And you begin to act differently. If you don't have God's Word in your heart, Christian life is going to be really hard for you to live because you can't do it in your own strength. You just can't. It is not by your strength. It's not by your power. It's by God's Spirit working in you and through you and the Word of God. And then he goes on, he says, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. 
With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts, contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have declared my ways, and you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So shall I meditate on your wonderful works. My soul melts from heaviness. Strengthen me according to your word. When he said, princes also sit and speak against me, he was talking about real people. But there is a prince that sits and speaks against you all the time. The prince of darkness. The prince of the power of the air. Satan. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he sits and speaks against you all the time. If you listen to him, you're going to have problems. If you listen to what God says, you can be free. He says, the prince speaks against me all the time, but your servant meditates on your statutes. They're my counselors. God's word is his counselor. Not your friends, not the news media, not your boss, not your neighbor, not your sons and daughters or mothers and fathers. I'm not saying don't listen to those people, but you better run everything by the test. Does it meet the word of God test? Because if it doesn't, you don't need to be doing it. Revive me according to your word. He says, I have declared my ways and you answered me. This is what we're talking about. You figure out where are these thoughts and bad things are coming from and you begin to declare them to the Lord. You begin to lay it out there and say, okay, God, I see. This is how it happens. I have these thoughts that come to me. I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to be changed. God will answer you. God will show you. He'll give you revelation insight in your life how all this works so that you can change the way you think. If you begin to meditate on God's Word, as you read the Word, verses will become alive to you, and you'll begin to realize that this is, oh, yeah, I get it. What happened to him in the past is, is in the past because God says, I blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'm not like that anymore. I don't have to be the same. I'm different now. God will reveal to you what you need to know. Worship team, y'all can come back. I have declared my ways and you have answered me. My soul melts from heaviness. Literally, that means that my soul is melting like tears rolling down my cheeks. From heaviness, that's a spirit of depression. That's what that is. It's a spirit of depression. So if, you, if you struggle with depression, God's speaking to you. Strengthen me according to your word. That word strengthen means give me life. It means prosperous life. Oh, what did Jesus say? I came to give you life more abundantly. That sounds like a prosperous life to me. So if your soul is melting with heaviness, if you are depressed, you're discouraged, you've got problems along those lines, God is speaking to you. 
You don't have to be that way for the rest of your life. Don't live in hopelessness. Get in God's Word. Figure out what God is saying to you about those situations because God can change you. I can't change you. Your psychiatrist may not be able to change you. Your counselor may not be able to change you. But God can change you through the power of His Word applied by the Holy Spirit. Change the way you think. Begin to see that there is hope. It's not hopeless. What looks hopeless is not hopeless because in God, all things are possible. We can be changed. We can be different. David went on and said, Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. So, Lord, turn our eyes away from looking at worthless things. I don't want to be, I don't want to be responding to the old man. I want to be new in every part, every area, every area of my life. I don't want to be like I was. I want to be new. I want to cast off those old garments and I want to put on those new ones and I want to be new in every area of my life. Don't want to be listening to those old bells ringing and making me slobber anymore. I don't want to look at worthless things. I want my eyes on the prize. I forgot all that stuff in the past. I'm pressing towards a mark, a high calling of Christ Jesus. Not going back anymore. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I'm not going back to being blind again. I'm not going back to being lost again. I got my eyes on the prize. Now, I asked you all last week, and I'm just going to close with this, but last week I gave you a challenge. And I asked you, this week, go out with a mindset that you're going to be willing to pray for people, that you're going to be willing to step out and do things. Someone tells you, I'm having a horrible day, just be bold and say, well, can I pray with you? Try it. You might like it. You never know. So, anybody do it? I see a couple of hands. Good. Praise the Lord. Has anybody, has anybody started trying this yet about changing the way you think? Okay. Is it working? Amen. Yeah, I'm not doing that because I'm anything. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to do something, folks. If you don't do anything, next week you're going to be sitting there just like you are today. But if you start now, next week you'll be different. And then the following week you'll be even more different. That's the way it works. God doesn't dump it out on you at once. He'll give you as much as you can stand. Just keep sucking it up. Keep soaking it up. Keep saying, yes, here I am. I want to meditate on your word. I want to think about you. So, Lord, seal your word in our hearts and minds, Lord. I want to be changed. I want to be like you. I want to have your mind, Lord Jesus, so that everywhere I go and everything I do, I represent you well because you are in me. Let's stand and worship. Oh
Lord, we do need you. We need you. We don't need more information. We don't need more stuff. We don't need more anything except you. More of you, Lord. More of you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're listening uh, in some other location. If you don't know Jesus, today can be the day of salvation for you. It's as simple as acknowledging your need, just like we sang, I need you, Lord. Sin runs deep, but your grace is more. And I acknowledge I need you, and so I ask you, Lord Jesus, come, forgive my sin, live in my heart. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Take control. If you pray that prayer, your Bible says you're born again. You're a new creation in Christ. If you want to come and pray and talk during this last song as we worship, I invite you to come and uh, receive special prayer for any needs you might have. You don't have to. You can receive right where you stand. But if you want someone to pray with you, anoint you with oil or whatever, that's fine. We'll be happy to do that.
I thank you that only you, only you can heal our broken hearts, Lord, and only you know what a broken heart really feels like. We think we know, but Lord, you experienced a broken heart like we've never experienced when your father had to turn away from you because you became sin on our account. You became sin for us so that we can be made whole. You know what a broken heart is, and you know how to heal a broken heart. You know how to redeem a broken world because you are the redemption of the broken world. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that your love never fails because you never fail. You never change. You never change. You are always the same yesterday, today, and forever. Your word never changes. Your word never fails. What you say is truth. It was truth thousands of years ago. It's still truth today. And your word will lead us and guide us. Your word will set us free. The truth will set us free. Help us, Lord Jesus, to embrace the truth of your word. Believe what you say rather than the lies of the enemy, rather than the past in our lives. Lord, all the things that we remember, the, the history that we had of failures and loss and problems and all those struggles. Lord, we want to think about life from the perspective of your word, the truth of your word, so that we can be free and whole. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that you are God and that you continue to work in and through and for us, Lord, for good. I thank you for each person, Lord, that's here today. I pray that you bless, go with each one, Lord, for the ones that need healing, the ones that need uh, to be set free of, of a way of thinking, an attitude, a, a sin in their life that they just can't get loose from. Lord, today can be the day of salvation for them. Today can be the day of freedom for them. Seal those words in their heart and life, Lord. Bring healing to our souls. Renew our minds. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant us perfect peace to you. Now you can be seated and we're going to have the, we're going to do some announcements. And uh, don't mind these folks over here, they're praying. We believe in prayer. It's all right. We can pray whether you're listening or paying attention or not. Prayer is still prayer. Amen? So uh, just remember this week we have uh, our regular activities, Wednesday night, uh, 6.30. Bonnie, uh, if you want to do your thing. And then at 6.30 on Wednesday night we have uh, family night and Awana. We're not eating, but we're having a, a great time of prayer. We're praying for our nation. We're spending about an hour right here in this room praying for our nation, for the elections and things that are coming up. So come join us and uh, bring your kids. They, they have stuff for every age, and all is good. Bonnie? Okay. Um, Wednesday, the last Wednesday, it's like the 28th or the 29th? 28th? Okay, thanks. All right, so on the 28th, we're going to have a family fun night. Um, it's going to be similar to fall festivals that we have. There's going to be some restrictions on it. Um, we're still, we still have about 11 or 12 games or 13, something like that, set up for everybody to do. Uh, we are going to serve hot dogs, um, and everything will be made in the kitchen uh, over there and served from over there. So there will be a little bit of restrictions. Uh, 
but we're going to have a fun. So what we need is we need uh, candy like normal and uh, prizes, you know, little trinkety things that are not candy, but things that kids would like. <laughs> and so we're also going to have a cake slash candy bar uh, uh, booth walk. And so whatever you bring, though, has to be store-bought and in the original container. We can't, if you buy cook, if you bring cookies, they've got to be in the sealed container uh, and we can't split them up, you know, into smaller packages. So, you know, you can get a lot of things that are prepackaged that way to put in the, in the booth. So uh, we can't really have like homemade cakes and stuff like that. Uh, they need to come, you can't make something and wrap it up in foil or in plastic and that doesn't count. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so that's going on on the last Wednesday. And then the third uh, Saturday of December and uh, is going to be the drive-through food pantry uh, that we always do. And from, you know, some people need to be there at 830. Uh, last time, the truck got there at 730 in the morning, and that's why it was already all unpacked by the time we got there. But anyway, uh, so our church is going to be uh, on call for that the third Saturday of December. Also on that same day, uh, Center of Hope, Linda, has called and requested that uh, they're having a thing at Center of Hope, and uh, they're going to be giving away blankets and food baskets and all this kind of stuff from, I think, 9 o'clock in the morning till either 4 or 5, five okay, from 9 to 5 on that same Saturday. So if you come to the food pantry, you could come to the food pantry. It'll be over at 11. You can go and eat lunch, and then <laughs> we have the opportunity to go over and help Center of Hope pass those things out. It's not going to be, we're not going to be packing anything. It's going to be already, we're just going to be handing it to them. They're going to have some game booths, I think, uh, for the kids, uh, and it'll be a whole event. Now, that Saturday is the Saturday before Christmas. I think Christmas is that next Friday or something like that. So, but anyway, I've, I've got to know by the 15th if you're willing to come and help on any scale with that, and the 15th is next Thursday? Yeah. It's Thursday, yeah. So, you either tell me today or text me or tell me by Wednesday night. Okay. And then I'll call Linda and tell her how many people will be coming. It's really, uh, you know, it's really cool that these places are starting to call us because they see us out in the community. They see that we have hearts to help. Uh, we think are going to be there so they can kind of plan accordingly. Anyway, thank you so much. God bless you. Have a great day, a great week. Come back Wednesday and uh, let Bonnie know if you want to work. I know you want to work, just let her know if you can. <laughs>